in their right mind could possibly deny the 20th century was entirely mine. Just when you thought you were out, we pull you back in. This is And Justice for Al, brought to you by InRealDeep.com and Tazini Media. Don't get too cocky, my boy, no matter how good you are. Don't ever let them see you coming. That's the gap, my friend. I'm Steve Cimino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with us, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Steve. Hello, Tom. What's not? I mean, we should. I should find a way to incorporate Tom into that intro because he's such an integral so part, our, even though he's the worst. Our senior, yeah, Pac- senior, senior Pacino correspondent, Tom. Pacino no, that apply, that gives him too much weight. That makes him sound like he knows what he's talking about, and I do not subscribe to that theory. Hey, that hurts. Well, I mean, he has an antagonistic relationship with his subject, much like Donald Trump and all of the media. So. <laughs> Um, and he, and he's and he, Tom, you've been through the wars with us. That's fair. I should give you more credit for that. Yeah, you know, I'm a fighter. A- anyone who anyone who watches Danny Collins is uh, <laughs> worthy of that senior Pacino correspondent title. Yeah. I think. Yeah, they've been through all th- uh, three Dante versions of hell, like this movie. <laughs> Speaking of that, for those of them who do not know which episode this is, which is odd if you looked at the episode title, we are talking <laughs> about the Devil's Advocate, which is possibly going to be the most rancorous episode we've done so far. Certainly the most combative, but I think perhaps the most exciting because it is, in my opinion, the best worst movie I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. It's beautiful. Al Pacino, in the last 20 minutes, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I just said I don't want to go too far ahead off mic, but the last 20 minutes of The Devil's Advocate should be encased in marble and or put in museums and taught to school children because they're so it's so wonderful okay you're on an island on that one (laughs) you're not gonna get tom and i to agree to that i don't think it's all right i'm gonna get the listening audience to agree though that's that's my goal here is i know you guys are lost causes but i know the people out there who watch devil's advocate have seen it are gonna be totally on my side well we should say it's on amazon prime right now yes so free if you have an amazon prime subscription to uh to watch if so inclined so and yeah. get if you don't have one, get it. Get some free soap shipped to you, and then watch some Al Pacino <laughs> to cleanse yourself. As probably Tom was going to then make a joke about with yeah. the soap. Wash, wash, uh, wash, I, wash the stench. Yeah, I ate, I ate the entire bar of soap. My mouth is very <laughs> dirty. Um, all right, let's so let's go over this one a little bit because I think this one we've you know a lot of the movies we've talked about we've jumped right into them Scarface, Godfather. Most people know the details. A lot of people probably have not seen Devil's Advocate. Although I think people our age who were you know born in the mid '80s and this came out in 1997, I think it was getting into right in that sweet spot where you watched you were probably starting to watch R-rated movies. This movie has a bunch oh, of boobs yeah. in it. It has a lot of cursing and aggressiveness. I think it was like prime movie for kids our age to sort of dive into a little before our time. Yeah, this was totally a movie I watched in 97 when it came out, and I was just purely interested in being titillated. And uh, I didn't even understand the gravity of seeing Charlize Theron's boobs at the time. But uh, in retrospect, that was a big moment. All all cut up and 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 weirdly stabbed, too. Self-stabbed. Like whipped in so the preferential because it's one of the seven deadly sins. So you know the movie has everything. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie stars Al Pacino, of course, who is honestly in the movie for like maybe forty minutes total. It's really there's not that much Al. Like he pops in, he does some stuff, and he hits the road, and then he's there for the whole end, which is wonderful. But <laughs> it really is Keanu Reeves's movie in a lot of ways, which is 
really disheartening watching it again because it's a long ass movie and there's a lot of Keanu doing a horrible accent and trying to get across that he's a Florida defense attorney. It is, ooh, it is not. <laughs> Keanu in any movie for this long of a time is usually not a good sign. Steve, I think on that point we might be able to agree on the most. <laughs> Uh, next 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 year when we do injustice for keanu we can revisit this <laughs> i'm a big we can watch it again we can do two devils out. oh my gosh I, I, really tradition i have to say i'm a big like keanu supporter generally speaking i think he's like actually kind of underrated he's kind of a goofball and uh I think he's found his niche now as he's like as he's gotten into like his forties and, and yeah, older. I, I mean, yeah. I think he's. I mean, he's obviously like hilarious in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and whatnot. Uh, um, when he's just playing a stone character the whole time, but uh, like yeah, I mean, John Wick is the, the movie I'm thinking of now that he's like incredible in. But he, that's a movie where he he doesn't say much at all and he never tries to do an accent, so he's terrible in this movie. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> So we open on Keanu Reeves, Kevin Lomax in Gainesville, Florida, where he's an undefeated defense attorney and he's defending the great Frank Sabatka from The Wire, who is a very creepy child molester who is fingering the table at one point. And <laughs> that's how we know. That's how we, the audience, know for a fact that he's a child molester. And I did not remember that from the first time I saw this movie. And it really does make fingering a table way creepier than you'd even think. <laughs> So far, you're accurate. <laughs> you have been wrong so far. <laughs> and so Keanu and gets uh, gets Frank Sabatka off, and they he go, and him and Shelly Theron is his wife, and they go out partying, and from there it sort of becomes this whole story of being seduced by the great Al Pacino, and he draws Keanu and his family up to New York, and they. And like, it's so interesting because it's it's like Keanu is the hotshot Gainesville attorney, and then he makes it in New York, and almost immediately they're tempted by New York's evils. But there's not really even that much. Like Keanu's tempted a lot by the the boobs that Al Pacino keeps putting in his face, but Charlize Theron doesn't really seem tempted by anything. Like it just it's like things go off the rails immediately, and there's not a lot of provocation or reason as to why. Like there's no devilish behavior really. It's just like insanity just starts right away like it doesn't even give you some lean in time really it all of a sudden things just go nuts tom you're a new yorker how did uh when you moved up there um was that your experience i mean did you find yourself uh going to haitian um animal <laughs> sacrifices pretty soon after you moved up there or what, what? oh uh within the fourth day i was doing that and every woman i every woman i knew uh was committed to an insane asylum immediately so <laughs> it's, it's accurate to my life <laughs> was delroy lindo there or was it just a knockoff delroy lindo a well, knockoff but you know that's how it works <laughs> Yeah, that uh, there's so there's uh, there's a goat sacrificing scene. <laughs> Keanu Reeves takes on what, what that was a, a health code case, yeah, where a goat is being sacrificed by Delroy Lindo in the basement. Like, and Al Pacino isn't even involved at that point. It's just just rather crazy stuff. Well, I think he like assigns him the case, but otherwise, that's true. He's not not involved. He's overseeing everything. I mean, the, the specter of Al Pacino is cast throughout the movie, no matter what. Oh, and we should mention at this point that Al Pacino's character's name is John Milton. <laughs> yes. Which and Tom, Tom is uh, our resident literature expert as well as our Pacino <laughs> correspondent. And Tom, what can you tell us about John Milton as as a literary reference? 
Well, John Milton, of course, was the English poet, polemicist, man of letters, and civil servant for the Commonwealth of England under Oliver Cromwell, <laughs> who uh, famously wrote Paradise Lost. And and I guess and was obviously devilly related because of Paradise Lost. But as as I think you noted, the 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 reference to that character in there to that man in this character, there's not really a big connection there. Besides yeah, just but- devilish in general, right? Yeah, it was it was uh, it was definitely kind of a uh, Cliff Notes version of references, <laughs> uh, naming the devil John Milton. But you know, they, they they explicitly stole some of his quotes later in the movie, uh, in the in the last uh, last twenty minutes of the movie, which we can get to in a bit. Yeah, well, someday if we ever get there. I didn't know that there were John Milton quotes actually at the end. Well, it's the main one: uh, "Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven." Oh. Is is one of his big ones. What about what about uh, getting fucked forty ways to Sunday? Is that from Paradise <laughs> Lost, or is that is that, a, is that an original Al? Also, John Milton uh, had to know that. No, of course, that was improvised Al. So he just best. I'm sure he just pulled that out of thin air, or his own life. Who knows? Yeah, it's like here, here's John Milton Al. He's like, nah, I'm gonna throw this away. I have a note in my phone. So I'm watching this movie. So 20 minutes in, there's no Pacino. And I have a note that says, 20 minutes in, give me some Al. And the next line I wrote, yes, because I think immediately Al showed up. And I said, oh, baby, here we go. I think this is the movie. Devil, Obviously, Son of a Woman is more well-known and Oscar-winning, obviously, for it's Al yelling. But I think Al has never yelled as, as comprehensively and ridiculously as he does in Devil's Advocate. I mean, like I think, I think the last twenty minutes of this movie are a lot of people think of when they think about yelling, screaming Al Pacino. Yeah, I, I, I gotta that man. It's it's <laughs> every 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 uh, every fiber of my Al hatred is well exemplified in this movie. <laughs> and of course, I I see it as a positive, but I, <laughs> yeah. I suppose that you could. We'll see. So then, I mean, I don't, and I hate jumping ahead, but I just to me this is the most entertaining Al Pacino there could possibly ever be. And I think he, this movie, it's so absurd, the things he has to do in this movie, and he does it so, like, no, imagine someone le- less than Al Pacino, or, or different than Al Pacino even, like, let's even not even say less, because that's what makes it subjective. Just a different actor playing this role, I think this movie would be unbearably slow and boring, and it already is pretty slow and boring, but I think that it does he does give it a shot in the arm, that, it, that without it, it would just be utterly forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, I do <laughs> that was a pregnant yeah. pause to say the least. And I would without him. I don't know if that's a good thing, but it, it's certainly memorable in a way. I I agree. I just I it just, just means different things to you. I just aggressively hate this movie. I think it's really bad. Um, I, I I guess the other thing I would say is. You know, you said it's it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen him do, but I mean, he didn't sing, so that's it's, true. It's, it's maybe not the most ridiculous thing we've even covered does, on this. Podcast. He does lip sync to Frank Sinatra, though. Well, that's true. All right, <laughs> let's all forget that. Let's not forget that. <sighs> yeah, so much to cover here. So much. Where, so where were we? <laughs> <laughs> that um it's 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 i think it's so interesting to me watching this movie because so they they, the whole like there's a reveal about two hours in 
right before you get into the big end sequence. That is, you know, oh my gosh, John Milton is the devil. Like the music swells, it gives you like a dun dun <laughs> <Yeah>. dun, <laughs> and you sort of like he puts his finger in some holy water and it and it fire and you know steam comes out and you're that's when you're supposed to realize he's a devil. But a he's obviously the devil the entire movie, <laughs> and b it's you sort of wonder in the beginning like do his co-workers and you know the people he works for do they know he's the devil and then you realize yes they all are extremely aware that he's the devil apparently and they all are super okay with it like where is it why does everyone that one woman literally kills Charlize Theron because she scares her to death and is like menacing and evil and like obviously it's part of like the devil's brigade like who are these people are they devils themselves are they humans who are seduced by the devil like there's no explanation as to why any of those things are happening well, the devil works in mysterious ways. <laughs> That's right. So. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think I didn't think that much about all this stuff, but yeah, I agree. It's a stupid reveal that he's the devil. I mean, the movie's called Devil's Advocate. There's <laughs> there's never there's never any other suspects. <laughs> for who, yeah, for who the devil. I might thought be. I thought Charlie Theron was the devil for a long time but well, i mean the, the real reveal which i mean is it becomes painfully obvious too is that he's that that he is lomax's father uh, <laughs> which <laughs> we've jumped way ahead now is no that's okay that's a ridiculous part too his pious god-fearing mother was seduced by the devil during a wild night in new york as a child or as a young teen and produced kevin lomax this movie, this movie really really spends a lot of time on how bad new york is and like having been new york i don't really feel like it's that that bad um but also don't you think that if your mom uh had slept with satan that she should have told you <laughs> <laughs> like hey your father is uh lucifer by the way don't go to new york ever he has to browbeat it out of her too. Like she wants to say, she wants to tell him, but she just can't get the words out. And he's screaming in his mother's face, with blood all over his clothes. After his wife's suicide, he's screaming at his mother to admit that she slept with the devil. Uh, not only, not only is your father Lucifer, but don't go to New York because your Lucifer lives in New York. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a nice heads up. Yeah. So yeah, the last uh, the last minute of our conversation there is why no one should ever watch this movie. <laughs> All of the things we said. <laughs> Let's give some reasons why you should watch this movie. Primarily that our president elect is referenced specifically, and also is there's a character that is basically him just without his name, which is a weird dynamic. Like usually, if you reference somebody, you wouldn't then have a character loosely playing him. But Devil's Advocate just really wants to have its cake and eat it too. So. Yes, the great, great, the great Craig T. Nelson, <clears throat> who is who is a, a billionaire developer who's accused of murdering his wife, her stepson, and a maid, which is a major element of the middle of the movie. Which again is not really relevant to the larger idea. Like it serves to reinforce Keanu's descent into being a shitty lawyer devil dude, but. It doesn't really matter. It really the best part about it is it leads to Craig T. Nelson saying, "I boned my assistant," <laughs> and I was boning my assistant. I was it was yeah, it wasn't in the past tense. He's still maybe boning her, but he was this fifty-year-old man who says the word boning, and then other characters say boning normal times too, as if that's just a regular thing people say. They just bone people. <laughs> very weird. It's very weird. Uh, Steve, you brought up something that's interesting. And I wanted to ask you a question about. You said. It, this Craig T. Nelson plot is irrelevant to the point of the movie, but can you tell me what the point of the movie is? 
<laughs> you know what? That's a really good question because it's a 144 minute movie. And there are so many things in this movie. As much as I love it, they could have cut everything involving Jeffrey Jones as the firm, another firm partner who is at one point caught, you know, you know shredding documents. <laughs> And that barely comes into play. That only exists so that there's a later scene in which the Justice Department guy tells Ke- reinforces to Keanu Reeves, hey, you're literally working for, if not the devil, a devilish man. And then is immediately hit by a car through the powers of Al Pacino controlling, I guess, drivers or cars with his devil mind. That whole sequence is just utterly <laughs> worthless. And that's like a solid 40 minutes of the movie. You keep saying plot points and then I just have nothing to say in response. <laughs> I'm, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I remember Do that. We, <laughs> can we talk about the speech that Al gives when he's, when he's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a voiceover little monologue when Jeffrey Jones is about to be killed by the invisible... Uh, joggers and then the crazy hobos who team up against him. Yep. And Al's ranting about how the world is going to be fiber optically connected. Every human becomes his own god. And we got a billion Eddie Barzoons jogging into the future. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was a very distracting montage as far as montages go. <laughs> the whole time I was like, what? Like, this is garbage that I'm watching. I can't, rem- I, I, don't, I forget what the devil is even saying right now. By the end of it, I was just thankful that the guy was dead, and you know, not talking anymore. <laughs> I don't oh. know where from that little scene because it was awful. Can, can some hobos murder me so I don't have to watch any more of this movie? Apparently, the devil holds dominion over hobos. So I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah, uh, it was I, very again. I, and I, the reason I like this movie, to be to, to be fully honest, and I'm going to go over it in excruciating detail, I, I think this movie is extremely flawed. It is not a good movie, so I don't like it for its cinematic prowess. I don't think Taylor Hackford is necessarily a good director, though he does has done, I believe, some good movies beyond this one. Is that right? He did Ray. The director of Ray. I guess everyone sort of likes Ray, right? Like Confidential, is that right? What's the con- I don't what I don't think the confidential is no I don't like, think so. Confidential I thought maybe not. No no no. no I'm wrong. More crap than that. Definitely a lot of crap. He's 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 not great, <laughs> and I think you can tell that by <laughs> by watching his movie. But what again? What I like is it is it doesn't really have a point, but it is very it knows how absurd it is and again i think it allows a, a particularly ridiculous al pacino to ham up to the fullest extent and give a whole i think that whole last monologue he gives is actually a really good monologue about the devil and hell coming to earth and and, and seducing keanu Reeves. like i think it just is so much garbage to get to that point that when you watch the whole movie you're like why did it take me two hours to get to this it could have been 70 minutes within 20 minutes of Al giving the monologue and ending the movie. Like it just, I, I don't know if they thought it was better than what it was or if they felt like all those plot points were necessarily relevant, but I do think it wraps up on as well as any ridiculous movie possibly could. And in a truly memorable thing, which I think <clears throat> if, it's, if it can't be a good movie, at least it's as memorable as hell and gives Al some really great things to yell. Like I'm a fan of man. <laughs> That that was also my favorite uh, quote of his. Um, except I was uh, I was going straight for the gun there. 
like in all seriousness, the the length of the movie is making me wonder if like they they wanted to just get as much Al in there because I do agree that Al Pacino is the only entertaining part of the movie, other than like boobs. Um, and uh, I don't know if they tried to stretch it there so they could get all forty minutes of Al on screen or what, but uh, it well, is. But this- yeah, it's not good. For a remake, then, couldn't we just have Al Pacino reading the Bartlett's Coat quotations of John Milton? Because that seems like it would be better. I would see that movie. It may not surprise you here that I would I would enjoy it very much. I believe that was his Kennedy Center uh, honors speech, actually, Tom. Was, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He just oh. sat on a stool and read it. Uh, but we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves to our next episode. Oh, yeah. There will be plenty more Kennedy Center honors conversations to come. Don't worry about that. Uh, here's one thing I just wanted to point out real quick. It seems like uh, a, a number of well-regarded critics in the late 90s when this was made seemed to actually like this movie. So Janet Maslin in the New York Times, uh, in a basically very glowing review, uh, <laughs> says something really funny that I uh, that I wrote down. In her review, she says, While there is no small irony in a big Hollywood film's finger-wagging about the seductions of wealth and power, Devil's Advocate does avoid clumsy moralizing and old hat notions of good and evil, which is the the most flawed sentence I've ever read about a movie because it was the opposite of everything she just said. But uh, Tom, I don't mean to disagree with you here, but uh, I have Roger Ebert's review of the movie. Oh, please go. And uh, he 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 says uh, he talks about the marble orgy at the end behind Al in the 20-minute, like, soliloquy or whatever. And he calls, he says, it includes an extraordinary special effect of a marble bass relief that comes to life and melts into a licentious orgy. If the whole film were as good as its production design, we'd really have something here. And uh, I think that is perhaps the most, that second sentence is perhaps the most incorrect one. Um, Because... This is a movie that if you watch the special effects, they may have seemed impressive in 1997, but are horrifically bad uh, now. Um, (laughs) The marble bass is not terrible, but all of the scenes on the balcony, like where you can clearly see like the blue fuzzy part where it's not actually New York. It just looks awful. I mean, it really looks bad. And uh, so, I, and I love, I love Roger Ebert, but this. But what is, about the great scene wild. when Al goes mad with fire and power after Keanu kills himself and shoots fire around the room, and then his clothes rip off his body, and then his daughter turns into a mummy, and then he turns into Keanu Reeves, and then who is also an angel. <laughs> well, you know that. What about scene that, was, Andrew? Uh, that scene was totally improvised, so that's actually what happened. <laughs> it's what really happened. <laughs> Can you imagine? I would I would pay a thousand dollars to be on set on that day when Al Pacino is just standing in a room yelling no no, and then has to take his shirt off and stand there and yell. I, How I, I, was that I would pay money to see that. That would be me at my happiest. <laughs> I would I pay. Would take- I would pay money to have been on the set of this film pretty much any day it was shooting. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely the Craig T. Nelson in Donald Trump's apartment parts as well. so that's really he was really in the they used trump's apartment for that yeah that's the crazy where the murder happened like the home of the murder yeah i mean i can only assume this means donald trump has murdered someone so (laughs) 
At least... It's only a matter of time until there's a hot mic of Donald Trump from this movie that comes out <laughs> and ruins the republic more. <laughs> I hope Taylor Hackford uh, saves saves us. That would be so great. He better. Taylor Hackford. Yeah, Taylor Hackford, if you got a hot mic of Donald Trump. Um, yeah. Did you guys see who, who co-wrote this movie? What? What was that? Do you see who co-wrote this movie? No. Tony Gilroy, the writer of director of Michael Clayton, and the writer of several Bourne movies, and also of Armageddon, which is a wonderful movie too. Tony <laughs> Gilroy, this man has done it all, and he is can any is a proud Devil's Advocate. It was his third movie, and frankly, I don't think he ever got any better. <laughs> I don't think he ever weaved. Though again, writing that whole last monologue is is a very good monologue for a ridiculous scene and i give tony gilroy or jonathan lemkin whichever one penned it i give that person all the credit in the world for really sh- really hitting a home run on the way out the door are you sure it wasn't al pacino that wrote it <laughs> well i want to believe that andrew but i just you know i'm trying to give everyone else a little bit of the benefit of the doubt but al didn't just pull it off the top of his head or cliff's notes john milton just saying that's where some of these come from oh my gosh this is like the most staggered i've been after one of these pacino movies like i just don't know what to say really i like like danny collins was bad but like in a very traditional bad movie kind of way um and then a lot of the other movies we've seen with al have been have been good and um i do think there's an interesting sort of like inverse relationship though going on here having been through this a lot of times now that uh like the worse the movie is the more i tend to like really enjoy the al pacino performance because i don't know if i'm coming around to what you're saying steve but it he he does have a way of making it um memorable for sure yeah oh my gosh this is that's i can go to bed a happy man tonight hearing that i mean i aggressively dislike this movie (laughs) but but I mean, but, again, I think the man is is a wonderful actor. I don't think I think he does many, many, many horrific roles as well. But and I don't know why he takes them. Although when we talk about the Kennedy Center honors and the it's accompanying Washington Post uh, profile, which is to come, I think Al sheds a little bit of light on why he takes so many bad roles. Some of the reasons are not great. Some of them are a little sad. But I think when he does do it, like, I mean, and although I did, if you listen to, there's a podcast called How Did This Get Made that has an episode on this show, on this movie as well, which is a great episode. I highly recommend it. It's like, it's like 90 minutes and it's all wonderful. And they break it down in far better comedic ways than we would do. But they said that Al Pacino turned this movie down, I think four or five times before finally saying yes. (laughs) So I don't know what the sequence of events was that finally led him to go, you know what? I'm in Taylor Hackford. You sold me. I'm the devil's advocate, but apparently... can we shoot in Trump's apartment? <laughs> it was actually uh, it was Al Pacino's real father, uh, Satan, said that uh, son, you have to make this movie that's about me. I think that's what happened, probably. Uh... Wait, Tom, don't you agree though that like the worse the movie is, the more like indispensable Pacino actually becomes to like making it. I mean, I. Yeah. I I don't know if that's like liking it ironically or something, but like, I mean, even like Scarface, which is probably one of my least favorite movies that we've, we've, we've watched, uh, he, there's no one else who could do that role. And I do agree with Steve's fundamental point that like, if anyone else 
did this role, it, this movie would probably have gone straight to DVD or something like that. So, Oh, yeah, I think that's probably right. Uh, I definitely hate the movie more than I hate Al Pacino's performance. <laughs> which okay. is not something that I think his performance is really good, but it's funny. And it's memorable in a funny, pathetic kind of way, which I'll give him credit for. That's a win. I'm going to count that as a big win, just hearing that again. I think, but again, I think you're right. And I think, you know, as you conceded that there is some memorable and comedic elements, I can see this is a horrible movie. And it's just, it's amazing that it's so interesting. Like, I don't know. This is a little inside baseball nerdo film fan talk, but I don't think movies like this get made anymore like it cost 57 million dollars which in 1997 was probably a shitload of money it's still a pretty decent amount of money for a movie like i bet a rival costs like 60 million dollars like i don't yeah. think like it's crazy that this this movie well, what did they spend that money on like i guess i guess the great marvel special effects RG, that rod yeah. Fever loved all those balcony balcony scenes also do you know how much money this movie made no one hundred and fifty-two million dollars. Oh, that's wait, <laughs> how? How? Again, movies. There, there is like even these days when tickets are you know twenty years later when tickets are twice as expensive. Most movies, like the only like you know a handful of movies make that much money in a year. So that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I just every everything you've told me about this movie, I just cannot believe everything. The plot. The everything, the Al Pacino turning it down four or five times. <laughs> uh, just... Father Satan told him to take it the fifth time. Yeah, it's 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 all hard to believe. John Milton Senior, John Milton Senior. Yeah. <laughs> Do we remember? I want to loop back for a second for some other great quotes that I wrote down because I think Al's quotes, as you guys both said, are the best part of the movie. The, one of my favorite lines is when. Keanu Reeves comes in Al Pacino's room and he's like, where's his uh, desk or whatever? And the guy says, oh, he doesn't, you know, have a desk. He doesn't, you know, he works on his, he doesn't have a bed. Where does he sleep? Oh, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't sleep. Where does he fuck? And then Pacino bursts in and goes, everywhere. (laughs) What a tailor-made line for Al Pacino. (laughs) Everywhere. (laughs) There is a lot of scenes about Al fucking people in this movie and then there's scenes where he's like sitting next to other characters like a lot of women and you realize that he's like five foot six and oh, yeah. and he's the least dominating or impressive looking person ever <laughs> this does highlight his his, his his small stature for sure <clears throat> oh my gosh so great there's also another thing that i really love about this movie is again and taylor hackford doesn't have the best resume if you look at his thing. Like, really, Ray is the only genuine good movie, or at least well-received movie he's made. There is so much time-lapse at the end of night of a day in this movie. I don't know if you guys remember that, but, like, every time you go from day, night to day, they show you the entire progress, like, the whole eight hours oh, of darkness yeah. to light. Yeah. Like, they do it, like, five or six times. And I was like, I'm a, we've seen movies. We're aware of how... Time progresses. We don't need to see the time literally progress. That's that's that amazing production design. (laughs) (laughs) He's really got a knack for it. It's technical marvel, this film. Oh my god. Well, I mean, is there anything else you guys loved about this that you can't bottle up anymore and need to talk about? I mean, there's just a picture of 
the the end scene where the fire is going and I'm looking at it on the IMDb IMDb page that I love. It's Al's face is just so Al, and there are flames behind him, and uh, <laughs> you know he's got like one button on his shirt buttoned, and it's just it's something. <laughs> I mean, I think if we've learned one thing from these Al Pacino movies, it's that like he makes you feel something. There's no yeah, exactly. like, there's no like in between. Say what you will about the tenets of Al Pacino, but at least he's an ethos. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I think you're all right. I think it's he's a very interesting man, and this is it's crazy that this was 20 years ago too. Like that this movie existed at all is crazy on its own. But just seeing. These two actors, you need to also, I forget the specifics of who else was going to be. Let me see if I can pull up really quickly who else. There were like so many pairs of people. Brad Pitt was talked about for a long time as playing Keanu's role, which would have been interesting. Although I'm sure, I don't think even Brad Pitt could have saved this. Um, I mean, he at least could have done a Southern accent decently, probably. <laughs> yeah. Joel Schumacher was originally set to direct like the watch? film. Which would have been, God knows what that would have been like. Who who was who was who was gonna be be John Milton? That's the real question. Besides Pacino, or was that always Pacino? <laughs> Tom, you'll appreciate this. Great IMDb fact: taking on the part finally afforded Al Pacino the opportunity to read Paradise Lost. Oh, good. what does that mean? He just, he's got a million dollars. He can read it. Like, does he need to be in the movie to read the book? So does that mean he admitted to plagiarizing Paradise Lost, or the writers did, and it was still a terrible <laughs> movie? Uh, that doesn't sound good for anyone. Oh my gosh, that's such an interesting, that's a fun fact right there. But yeah, Andrew, uh, to answer your question, Andrew, I apologize for interrupting, I couldn't leave that, I couldn't keep that inside. Um, apparently, Jack Nicholson was talked about for a certain point of time, and Christian Slater was talked about at that point of time to play John, uh, Kevin Lomax as well. I guess I could see Jack Nicholson actually in this role, but I mean, Jack Nicholson has the impulse impulse control to not take a role like this. I guess so. <laughs> so, so, so you know, that's very true. Season tickets right. to the Lakers take up a lot of time. So, all right, what are we giving this, everybody? What do we think in terms from Sonny to Michael? To oh, it's Michael, to Sonny, to Fredo. What are we thinking of Devil's Advocate and Mr. Pacino's performance? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a Sonny. I think it's entertaining, but uh, deeply flawed. Um, but I literally hot headed. Yeah, yeah. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I guess on a, on a purely. Al is being completely ridiculous sort of level. I don't know, Steve. Maybe you're just gaslighting us and us going through this process is making us just, you know, get some sort of bizarre Al Pacino Stockholm syndrome. I was going to uh, say, you spent you spend enough time with him. Even Tom is saying nice things now. I don't even know what to think. Yeah, gaslighting is the word of the year, man. God, Trump is everywhere in this movie. <laughs> One of the one of my goals and hopes when we started this project, this and Justice for All project, is that Andrew and then now Tom that he's been brought on board would see what the rest of us see or what a lot of other people see about Al Pacino, which is a flawed man, but <laughs> a 
big old acting dynamo. And I think that that's what we're getting as we get through some of these movies is doesn't always make the best choices. Doesn't okay. always have the best directors or the best scripts, I but brings des- his all. I wouldn't describe what he does in this movie as acting, though. That's where, that's where I think. Yeah. I think yeah. We, just, that's where I have to like kind of agree with Tom. He's just yelling, and he's just really funny when he yells. I mean, I, don't know. I might even like the guy. He's just not acting. Like. <laughs> He's just yelling. So wait, that whole last scene, you're going to say the last 20 minutes of detailed monologue about the future and how being in love is like eating, biochemically eating large quantities of chocolate. You're going to say that's not acting? I'm going to say he's not not exactly melting into the role. I'll say that. (laughs) I think Al Pacino is too big for roles. I think Al Pacino, he blows up the roles. He doesn't melt into them. Yeah. Yeah, he you makes know, his own. You know who's not too big for roles? Daniel Day Lewis, who actually can act. <laughs> now he would have he would have actually gone to hell and and, uh, <laughs> and learned how to play. Something. You know that he would have. He would have read Paradise Lost two times. <laughs> you know what? The man is the Kennedy Center honor, and you guys are talking about him like he does not have a Kennedy Center honor. <laughs> and I didn't. I President Obama. Put a little necklace with a rainbow on it around his neck a few days ago, and no one is respecting that, and I'm offended by all of this. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> I'm offended. All right, Tommy, what do you think? Tommy, give it, give it your ranking. I want to hear what uh, what Corleone family member you're going to go with. I'd give it a hot-headed Sonny, and uh, he ends with the with a bullet at the end, just like Sonny. So. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Kevin Lomax kills himself, and then that's what kills uh, Al Pacino's character. It's a terrible movie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, to be fair, he's not even dead at the end. He's just the newspaper guy. He comes. It's cyclical. That's right. Because so, the movie really doesn't make sense, uh, even at the end. <laughs> Someone on, on the How Did This Get Made podcast, they, they, their final comments about this movie was, at the end of it, after you see Pacino, they don't even play Sympathy for the Devil. They play Paint It Black instead. Like, it has a song with Devil in the title, yeah. and they go with another <laughs> Rolling yeah. Stones song. Yeah, I didn't notice that. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bad movie. It's a, it's a comedy of everything. Well, you know what? I'm going to say screw both of you, and I'm giving this a Michael. I knew you were going to do that. One of my favorite That's Al Pacino ridiculous. movies of all time. I love it. It's an amazing performance. It is so quotable, and everyone should see it. Amazon Prime. Buy a full year so you can watch it every month and enjoy it nonstop. How is this one of your favorite Al Pacino performances? Because I love it. You go listen to this when we're done and you'll be like, oh, all the things that Steve just said answer my question. (laughs) We've literally seen like eight better performances from Al Pacino. Like only Danny Collins was was worse than this, in my opinion, of all the movies we've seen. (laughs) Do you think Al Pacino improvised the uh, the holy water scene from The Godfather, which was his own movie, but it's a much worse montage in this case? It must have been. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I think that he's a wonderful actor and did a wonderful job. <laughs> oh, God bless you. 
I think the box office speaks for itself. $152 million. The American people, much like Donald Trump, our mm. president-elect, the American people spoke and they said, we want, we love Devil's Advocate and we love Al Pacino. And, you know, that's, some of that stuff just happens. So Steve is on the side of Donald Trump and the box office, which has also validated like 8,000 Transformer movies. Okay. So Al Pacino is a Donald Trump steak, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to talk about the Kennedy Center. I was with you guys. I'm so in, it's I'm so intrigued. Just I love love all this Al chatter. It makes me so happy. Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> at least least, at least one of us is happy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's good at least. Uh. <sighs> all right, guys. Any parting thoughts? Any final again? I know I know there's so much to say. Also, there's I, I forgot there's so many things about this movie I forgot about, but when I watched it, I forgot all about the Delroy Lindo subplot. Which again, that could have been cut even more than all the other subplots. <laughs> I forgot about the empty streets when Keanu comes out, Vanilla Sky esque. Oh, yeah. All that praise Vanilla Sky got. It was like Devil's Advocate was already there a couple years ago. Um I guess my parting thought would be that the three of us on this podcast have different definitions of what acting is. And <laughs> um do not listen to Steve's advice. Don't buy Amazon Prime for this movie. <laughs> I mean, do get Amazon Prime because it's free two-day shipping. Um, <laughs> and hundreds of other great films. And there's other, and good, other actually good movies on there, but, you know, including Danny Collins. But uh, don't, <laughs> don't, right. don't, get, don't get this, for, don't get this for, for Devil's Advocate. And definitely do not watch it once a month. It's a bad idea. <laughs> to each their own, Andrew. Tom, are you going to watch this movie once a month? Uh, um... I'm not gonna watch this movie ever again. <laughs> until until uh, until we invite you back for Injustice for Keanu. <laughs> that's right. Uh, not, then I'm just gonna watch the Key and Peele movie. And Justice oh, for Craig God. T. Nelson. That's <laughs> <laughs> just, just eleven episodes of Coach, and then Poltergeist, or- and then this movie. <laughs> Or we do a year of Trump theme movies and we get Home Alone 2 and then this and then probably something else that I can't think of right now. Yeah. Devil's Advocate. That's pretty much Devil's... it. Yeah. Well, you'll be, we'll be spared, everyone, because we're not going to do Devil's Advocate again, probably ever, although I do think it's great. Next month, we're going to come back. We're, we're going to wrap this. The year of Pacino may be coming to a close, unfortunately, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop talking about him because we're going to get through all of these movies we promised ourselves. We're going to make Tom suffer. We're going to drag the year out into at least a year and a half, and we're going to keep going until we finish up uh, what we promised to give everyone. Yes. So, Much like all the movies we've selected for this podcast, none of them seem to be under two hours, and we can't get this done in a year like we said we were going to. So. we'll go along we'll be back with a good movie next time we'll be back with a movie pretty much everybody loves although i think we're gonna love this one too because i watched this relatively recently and it is very weird and there's a lot of silly parts and it dips into comedy every now and then and it makes no sense it's called and justice for all which is the gives us the title of this podcast and it is a relative it has one of the most famous al pacino lines probably one of the most famous al pacino performances and jeffrey tambor in being really weird i'm excited i can't wait (laughs) (laughs) all right man well thank you guys so much for being here thank you tom as always it was a pleasure i think we found i think i'm slowly winning you over with (laughs) in the smallest ways but i'm taking little victories and counting them as big ones 
Uh, for the record, he's now winning me over everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, and you said some nice things too. And you know, if you don't like this movie, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, I don't like this movie, and I'm, I'm I'm okay with that. I'll die. I'll die happy knowing that you I have, you don't found like peace this movie. somehow. Yeah. All right, well, Amazon Prime, don't forget, eight ninety nine, <laughs> pays for itself, one viewing. All right, everyone. It's like always, $99 a year. How does it pay for itself? <laughs> you should get paid $99. This is always back and forth. I don't need any of this. That was all right, all right. take us out. Take us out. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And as always, we are one nation under Pacino with liberty and justice for Al.